My phone rang this morning at a quarter to seven. It was our beloved pastor, really sick. He'd been up all night trying so hard to be able to make it, but just couldn't quite do it and asked if I would stand in for him, so to speak. It was a little late to try to come up with a new sermon, so I tried to think of um, a sermon that might be appropriate that might tie into his series on Genesis. We've been learning in Genesis about redemption, God's redemptive plan all through the scriptures. Now it takes a, a form in Genesis. Well, I'd like to talk today about a book in the New Testament. It's a book about redemption, and it uh, dovetails somewhat with the, uh, with the Genesis account. I want you to know that I'm going to preach through the whole book, <laughs> verse by verse. <laughs> Thankfully, that book has one chapter, and there are 25 verses. It's a book of Philemon. And what I'd like to do, I'd like to tell you the story. I, I call this a, a postcard to Philemon. And it's kind of stuck in here, and it's kind of really a personal, uh, kind of a testimony, a little story that Paul tells that doesn't seem to fit with other passages or other letters. So it's just kind of a postcard. Let me tell you the story, and then we'll read the passage, and then we'll seek to apply it. Philemon was a rancher, probably a wealthy rancher, as ranchers were back then, and he was a believer, and the Apostle Paul led him to the Lord, and he had a, a church that met, that met in his house, but as many uh, ranchers back then, uh, wealthy ranchers, they had slaves. And he had a slave by the name of Onesimus. Onesimus. And this slave did the unthinkable to his master, Philemon. He stole from him. He robbed him. He absconded with funds, and he took off. He fled. That fugitive fled. And he took off to, to Rome to get lost in the slave culture in Rome. Well, lo and behold, he got a little trouble in Rome and he was thrown in jail. And who do you think his cellmate was but the Apostle Paul? It says they were chained together. Now, can you imagine that for just a minute? Being chained to the Apostle Paul. As an unbeliever, don't you know Paul just wore him out with the gospel? <laughs> I can't imagine day and night and Paul just kind of tapping his foot, waiting for Onesimus to wake up and like, oh, good, you're up, let's go. <laughs> and you can guess the rest. Uh, Onesimus becomes a believer and becomes uh, real helpful to Paul in, uh, in, in prison. And then Onesimus is released from prison. 
And he wanted to stay and help Paul and Paul's ministry in Rome. But Paul said, Onesimus, you have some unfinished business with Philemon. You need to go back to Philemon and apologize. You need to be reconciled to him. And I can only imagine what uh, um, Onesimus would have probably protested. Uh, He doesn't have the money. He doesn't have the goods. He's just going to go back and apologize. And Paul said, here's what I'm going to do for you, um, Onesimus. I'm going to send a letter. I like this postcard. I'm going to send a letter to Philemon asking him to forgive you on my behalf. So thus we have the letter that is set before us. Now one of the wonderful things about the scripture is to, is to see the personalities of some of these apostles. And we're going to see some really neat uh, uh, things about the Apostle Paul as Paul uses a little leverage in his letter to Philemon to make sure Philemon forgives Onesimus. So let's look at it. Verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Aphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's, that's the typical Pauline greeting, isn't it, of most of his letters. Now, the next uh, few verses, he's going to kind of brag on them. He's going to build them up. Sometimes we do that, don't we? If we don't, certainly our kids do when they want something from us, don't they? They kind of build us up. Well, look what Paul does here. Verse 4. I thank my God always, making mention of you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I've come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Now, wouldn't you like to get a letter from Paul like that? If you, were, if you had a, whole, a church and your home and the apostle Paul, I mean, Mr. Big has just gotten us, getting us a letter here. One thing that I left out is that the way the letter gets to Philemon is by Onesimus. Onesimus is carrying this letter to Philemon. Now, when you think about how upset do you think Philemon would be with Onesimus? Have you ever been, have you ever been broken into? I remember uh, a number of years ago, we were broken into in the middle of the night. Thankfully, we didn't wake up. We woke, the next morning, we woke up to find the glass shattered all over our room and and it's just it's, it's scary it's it's real scary and then once you get over the the emotional part of that you get you get mad 
you just get mad and you want to, you know, call the police and get an APB out and, you know, uh, CSI, NCSI and everybody else. You want justice, don't you? That's what I wanted. I want a piece of justice, a piece of flesh. That's probably what Philemon felt like. Verse 8. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you. Do you see this? You see this coming? He says, I could order you to do this. But for love's sake, I'm going to appeal so you'll just do it on your own. Now, I don't, want, I don't want anything to influence your decision, such as, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Isn't that great? I mean, finally, I don't want to influence, I want you to do it your own free will, but just, I'm not even going to mention how old I am, I've been in prison, all that. So, um, so that's kind of what he does. That's good, thanks. So the next verse, the word comes out. Verse 10, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus. Onesimus. Can you just see Philemon? By the time he, I mean, when Philemon saw Onesimus coming down the road, I imagine he was inflamed. He was, he was so angry. And then he gets this letter and uh, he says, Onesimus whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything, so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. For perhaps he was, for this reason, separated you from a while, for a while, that you would have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. I remember one time, a number of years ago, I got a phone call that uh, one of our members uh, uh, wanted to um, wanted to know if I would counsel this young couple. And uh, she said, this couple is really rough. And I was trying to build a church, and I'd talk to anybody. And um, I said, sure. She said, well, I'm going to bring them to church here in the next few weeks, and then you can meet them and see if they'll talk to you. A few weeks go by, and lo and behold, they show up one Sunday. And my sermon that day just happened to be on tithing. (laughs) Isn't it terrible when you bring somebody to church and, oh, I hope the preacher doesn't speak on something controversial. And, And the whole time he's preaching, you're listening through your visitors or your parents or your uh, their ears, aren't you? Well, this guy, lo and behold, they, uh, they didn't come back for a few weeks. But finally, they called and they wanted to come by and meet with me. And they came in and 
Ooh, he was mean looking. Oh boy. And 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 she wasn't much better. Now, <laughs> now I'm gonna go on a little bit because they were actually in the early service. So don't tell them what I said in the second thing. <laughs> I didn't go into any of this detail the first service. So they start, so they said, we're having trouble, we're married, and they start yelling and arguing at each other. It's just like a ping pong, we're yelling at each other, going back and forth, and, and, and I can't keep up. And finally, I slammed my hand on the desk. I said, stop it, stop it, stop it. Not even Jesus himself could help you. <laughs> it's when the elders realized I didn't have the gift of counseling. They left, and a little time goes by, and I get a phone call. It's a judge. Judge says, I've got so-and-so here, and he's been in a little trouble, and he has to do some community service hours. And he'd like to do them uh, around your church. And the only way I would allow that is if he would answer to you, and you would sign off on it. I didn't even know the guy's last name. I, all I know is this guy's pretty rough, and now all of a sudden he's going to be entrusted to me by the judicial system. I said, okay. But lo and behold, he starts coming by the church after he got off work and this and that, and we started, um, you know, developing a relationship and inviting him over to our home, and lo and behold, he comes to know Christ. Then his wife came to know Christ. Then their kids came to know Christ. Their kids came to Orangewood Christian School. And lo and behold, he became a deacon in the church. And he who was once useless became useful to me in the church. It's interesting that even the name Onesimus is a play on the word meaning useless. I hope that was his nickname and not his given name at birth. One mother gives birth and say, oh, yeah, he looks useless. Let's call him useless. <laughs> Verse 17. Paul, he cranks it up the leverage. Here it goes. If then you regard me a partner, accept, me as you, accept him as you would me. But if he has wronged you in any way, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I will, I, Paul, I'm writing this with my own hand. I will repay it, parenthesis, not to mention to you that you owe me your even soul as well. Yeah, no pressure, Philemon, to forgive this guy. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you since I know that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. In other words, he's hoping to come visit him and he's going to ask about this. We don't have anything in Scripture about the outcome of this. But I think we could all pretty much guess how it worked out. In fact, there was an early church father that uh, wrote that there was a 
uh, a bishop, a bishop of Rome, a bishop of Hippo, by the name of Onesimus. Same guy, don't know. I want us to look at this in two ways. Number one, theologically, every single one of us was a fugitive fleeing from God. It started with Adam, didn't it, in Genesis? He fled as soon as he knew he was sinning. He fled from God. All of us, were flee- we were fleeing, and our guilt was great. Our guilt was great. And we needed an advocate. Uh, an advocate, not just a man, not just an apostle, not just Paul, but we need an advocate that can take care of our guilt, our sin. And that advocate, of course, is Jesus. Jesus is the one who died for our sin. Jesus is the one who tells his father, put that on my account. Put it on my tab. And to complete the redemptive circle, he buys us back to be his children. We're now his children. He says, a beloved child of God. We can hold our heads high in tough times and good, knowing that we are a beloved child of God and God went to great extent for each one of us with his love. But let's turn the coin over and look at it in another way. What does God require of us regarding forgiveness? Who would you most identify with in this story? Onesimus or Philemon? Onesimus, is there someone you need to go and apologize to? Is there someone you need to make things right with? Now, my friends, you can't go back and you you can't unscramble an egg. Let's not take this uh, to too great of an extent. But is there someone that comes to your mind this morning that you need to apologize to? You say, oh, Chuck, you didn't want to hear from me. Well, let me tell you something. Philemon didn't want to hear from Onesimus. And you don't go and you don't do it because of their response. They might reject you completely, cuss you out, call you all kinds of names. But your responsibility for God, my friend, if he's put somebody in your, in your mind, in your heart this morning, that you realize you've done wrong, I want you to go to him, either personally or via the telephone, maybe even an email. Seek to make it right. But what about Philemon? Do you identify with Philemon? Are you withholding forgiveness to someone? If you're withholding forgiveness to someone, someone comes to your mind even now saying, boy, that person has done me so wrong. I could never forgive them. Or how about this? You say, I'll forgive them if they come and if they apologize, if they repent, if they just... uh, grovel. I'll forgive. I'll be big enough to forgive them. Well, let's remember how we're supposed to forgive. We're supposed to forgive the way Jesus forgives us. 
Those who did the worst thing to Jesus were the Romans on the day he was crucified. The Roman soldiers, they spent the night with him. He was flogged. He was spit upon. He was beat up. He was emaciated. And they hang him on a cross with nails, spikes. And are they repentant? No, they're at the foot of the cross. They're gambling for his, for his robe. And yet, what does Jesus say? One of his last breaths. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. My friends, you're eating yourself up if you can't forgive somebody the way Jesus forgives you. You don't deserve Jesus' forgiveness. And you might think that person doesn't deserve your forgiveness. But as you have been a recipient of grace, you be a dispenser of grace. Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for redemption. We see it all through your word. God, we confess that we are we're fugitives. We were fugitives. Our guilt was great. We fled and we hide and we need an advocate, not a human advocate. We thank you that you sent Jesus to be our advocate. That Jesus said to each one, said to his father, to put each one of our sins on his tab, on his account. Thank you for buying us back to be your children. Thank you for the joy that is ours in these uh, tough times to always remember that we're your children. And yet, God, there is some other meaning here about forgiveness. And I want to ask, uh, even now, we take a couple of minutes of silent prayer. And when I ask, who do you identify with? Do you identify with Onesimus? Is there someone that God is putting on your heart even now that you need to contact? Or is it Philemon? Is there somebody that you won't, is there someone that uh, you just don't want to grant forgiveness to? Help us to remember, God, that is your glory to forgive, and you tell us the only glory to man is to overlook a transgression. God, help us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.